This is a Broad Pods production. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to Broad Radio On The Go. In this episode, you will be thinking about Vegemite on toast by the time you get to the end of it and you will not be able to stop. Well... That's what happened to me. Anyway, uh, you'll find out why when Joe Stanley and co-host Shelley Ware talk to the gorgeous Melissa Leong from MasterChef, amongst other things. She has a new book and just what she says about Vegemite, it'll make you think twice or three times about it. Before that, though, Joe and Shelley's first guest is Janice Goody, who was a journalist in the town of Gander on September 11, 2001. And it is a place where something extraordinary happened and the musical Come From Away is based upon that situation. But before we get to Janice, Joe and Shelley talk about lip timber and how some research has shown that mental health is a big issue for half the population of women. But is there still a stigma around it? What can we do about it? I'm Jo Stanley and I'm so happy that our co-host today is the beautiful Shelley Ware. Hi, Shelley. Hello, hello. How are you? Oh, darling, I have to tell you, I felt a little bit, I'm exhausted, mm-hmm. as most people are, and a little flashed this morning and then I saw your beautiful face oh. and I instantly felt better. Oh, isn't that lovely? I felt the same when I walked into this amazing studio and saw all your gorgeous faces. I was like... <gasps> Oh, isn't this beautiful? Oh, well, welcome, everybody. If you are catching up with any of our previous episodes, you can do that wherever you get your podcasts with Broad Radio on the go. And we would love you to, I don't know, hit us up with a review or a rating. That would really help us. They're very helpful, Mm. actually, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And share it with your community. That would be awesome. So, yes, I wanted to just share this with you, Shell. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of Lip Timber. I've heard of Lip Timber and I've purchased some lipstick to participate but tell me more. Well Liptember is a wonderful foundation actually they support Jean House for Women's Mm -hmm. Health and I know that you're an ambassador for Jean House they do incredible work for women's health across Mm -hmm. the board. Liptember is all about women's mental health Mm -hmm. and they have just released a fantastic like one of the best research papers I have seen it's called the mental health gender gap understanding women's mental health in Australia. And I wanted to share this with you because I believe that at the moment, um, just 
reading the room even today, yeah. <laughs> the women who are here in our own team, I think that uh, I'm surrounded by women who are exhausted, overwhelmed, mm. who feel a little bit like we're drowning. Yeah. There are certainly days like that, absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to share this research because it reflects a lot of what we're feeling, right? So it's nice to know we're not alone. Yeah, it is <laughs> nice to know and that we're here together, that we can talk through this and work it through together, that we're not alone. Absolutely. So the research shows how's this one in two women, one in two in Australia, are currently experiencing mental health Wow. challenges right to the point where they would describe it as mental ill health okay wow. one in two that's a that's a lot isn't it it's and a lot that's, that's that's actually quite um mind-blowing to be honest you, know, you think of your cohort of girlfriends and you think hang on a minute that that's a lot of my friends that could be unwell and we're not talking about it that's right mm. and but when you when you look at the top three one the first one is stress mm-hmm. from just all of life's pressures mm-hmm. right Yep. So, bing, <laughs> anxiety from oh, all of life's pressures, yeah. bing. Yep, and the third one is body image. Yeah. So, of course, it's one in two. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I've got two of them. <laughs> well, that's right. So, then you go, okay, I had actually, when I hear on oh, mental illness or whatever, mental ill health, I've gone, oh, that's not me. Yes. But then when you look at those three, you go, actually, that is me. Yeah, yeah. And then they drill down again, 48% of us are not getting help. And the reasons they list that we're not getting help, not realising the importance of mental health support Mm. so often, not having time, cost, and the stigma or embarrassment and shame around that. So all of those things that just makes me go, I wanted to say today, firstly, you are worthy of prioritising your Mm. health and your mental health, right? Absolutely. And it goes back to that thing, if you're not well, you can't look after the people you love because you know and then you can't keep them well so you've got to be well you've got to have that priority of looking after yourself and I I've learned that through being an ambassador at Jean Hales because I used to just go 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 and I can still do it at times but if I don't stop and look after myself and make sure I'm well then I can't look after my family or my loved ones absolutely and I think that and you know I actually spoke about this with our our producer Beck this morning that as women we absorb Mm. and we just take on more and more and more and we just think we'll just keep going keep going keep going and it's just not sustainable it's not and you do get to a point where some days you wake up and you think I just want to cry and I don't know why and I don't want to be that person yeah yeah yep or driving along and the song comes on (laughs) next minute you're bowling Oh yeah. my god! Don't, don't think you're, you're not alone there. I'm trying to. Oh my god! The the the, the car cries. I can't even tell you how. Mm. And then the, there's the shower cries. There's yeah. on the toilet cries. <laughs> <laughs> there's walking the dog cries. Yeah. Thank goodness for those cries though, because it's another way to get it out. But you know, seeking that extra help and this like listening to yourself and your mind and your heart mm. and what you need is so important to get that extra help if you need it. Yeah. And sometimes the help is just going for coffee with your girlfriend yeah. and saying, I really just want to have a, have a, have a part cry yeah, with, have your a part girlfriend. Cry with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to share that because I think it's a really important conversation and I want to mm. empower you. If today you were feeling really a bit flat, that's yeah. okay. It's normal and there's no shame. There's no stigma. And yeah, seek the help, whatever that looks like yeah. for you. Yeah. It's really important. And sometimes it's just a phone call, like you said, or, you know, sitting in the park with a girlfriend or and sometimes you need a little bit more and there's no shame in any of it. Mm, yes. Um, and 
you know, for me, I'm a man. I really love therapy, mm. right? It's, oh, I duck in and out. I quite like it too. Yes. I've had like a lot of therapists <laughs> over the time, yeah. like eight in my lifetime. Okay. I didn't break them. They were like, well, so a lot of them retired. <laughs> <laughs> but they give you different things. So sometimes mm. if that therapist isn't giving you the right thing, then it's important to change to another therapist. That's right. But I also want to acknowledge that um, there's a bit of a backlog for therapy at the yeah, moment. it's difficult. And it is expensive. But if you can get along to your GP and get a mental health plan and hopefully you can get in to see someone because that mm. can be hard. Yeah, it yeah. can be very difficult, especially with the backlog of COVID. Mm. But if you also make that time to find other people that can support you in the meantime, that's really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and go for a walk in the sunshine if it's there. Mm. So, oh, let's get to our first guest. Um, so Come From Away is a beautiful musical that tells mm. the true story of the small Canadian town, Gander, where dozens of international flights were diverted on 9-11. It is a tale of some of the people who were on that flight, but also the extraordinary townspeople who welcomed them. And one of the characters is intern journalist Janice Moser. And the real-life Janice is joining us now. Janice Goody. Hello, Janice. Good morning. How are you? I am sure that you've told this story a thousand times, but it is really quite extraordinary your mm. perspective around that incredibly momentous day on the world, you know, world history really was made, of course. Can you share your experiences and your memories of that morning of 9-11 in Gander? Well, it was my first week on the job. I had uh, just moved to town the weekend, started work on Monday, and then 9-11 happened on Tuesday. And we saw 38 planes land in a little sleepy town of Gander, which, um, you know, the airport was always an important factor to the community. But when the community almost doubled in size with all the passengers that landed and they ended up being there for four and five days, um, it, was, it was a surreal experience for sure. And that moment when the planes did land, to Gander, and I, it blows my mind because that moment in 9-11 was so different for so many other people, but your experience is completely different. You know, there's trauma in your experience, but there's also the, a joy of kindness and, and caring that happened in Gander. What's so special about the people of Gander in this moment? The Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. <laughs> um, I think really what uh, it was is, is we opened our doors to the people and uh, there were strangers going into people's homes and having showers and staying all night. And it, it was just whatever the people of the community could do for the folks who had landed, it was being done. The population swelled by how mm. many? Uh, it was a little over 7,000 people and there was about 9,500 people who lived there at the time. That, so see, we literally pretty well doubled. Oh, yeah. But but how even is the infrastructure yeah. and, and, you know, even supplies and whatever you might have had in the town, surely it was, was limited? Uh, yes. And so all the students got dismissed from school and the schools got turned into makeshift hotels. Any organization that had space in their buildings, they were asked to take in people. Um, and that's why really people in the community started taking people in too because you had to really put them wherever you could find a place and they were also bused about 20 30 minutes away to other towns that were in nearby in the region so everyone just came together and, and did what they had to do and there were stores that were donating mm. you know, toothbrushes underwear you name it it had to be donated because all the people who were on the planes couldn't take their luggage off so they had nothing and in that time 
Did you even know or how long till mm. you knew why those planes were landing? Well, we probably knew before some of the passengers on the flights even knew. We found out around lunchtime when we saw it on the news of the, the you know, the tragedy of, of the Twin Towers and saw the planes going into the buildings there. There were people who were on the flights who had not heard the news, and some of them had been on those planes for up to 24 hours and didn't know until they came off why they were in Gander. But, you know, everyone came together and tried to comfort those who who were dealing with the loss of loved ones or not knowing where they were or, you know, really where they were in the world because there were people who had no idea where Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada was. <laughs> And have people maintained connections with the people on those flights over the years? Oh, absolutely. There are so many friendships that have been forged. Um, you know, people have come back for visits. There were a couple, of course, who are depicted in the musical as well, Nick and Diane. They met on the flight. They were the plain people. Oh, and wow. they ended up uh, getting married and coming back and honeymooning in Newfoundland. They've been back several times. And, yeah, we've really forged some friendships with uh, with various people. So for you, though, what an extraordinary second day on the job. How do you go about covering this when you're very inexperienced yourself as a journo? You do your best. You know, you, you <laughs> sit down and, and you try to figure out what story you want to tell because everyone, of course, had a story at the time. Um, ours are being told now through a musical and we didn't even know we had a story. But it, it's just, you know, with compassion and and trying to be as polite as you can because everyone is dealing in their own way with the situation and the turmoil that they were experiencing at the time. So of course it was just about, uh, you know, kind of going in there, you know, soft kid gloves and just uh, asking people how they were feeling and if they wanted to talk. So Come From Away is the production that you're talking about that this moment in time is about. Can you tell us about your personal connection to this theatre show? So myself and my friend, uh, Brian Moser, who was doing uh, the local cable show at the time in Gander. So he was helping tell, you know, need a toilet paper at the Legion or someone, uh, you know, down at the Lions Club is looking for fresh moose or, or whatnot. <laughs> he was doing a lot of that. So the character is a culmination of both of us. Uh, so the name of the character is Janice Moser and uh, really kind of ties together some of the scenes and is the reporter who's new on the job and it, they're funny they're um yeah they're just uh, an integral part i think to the musical and and that's the great thing about the musical i mean it's a tragic story and it does pay homage to to all of that and it's very sensitive musical when it comes to certain aspects but it's also funny and when you walk away it's it's heartwarming it makes you you know appreciate humanity a little more and the kindness that was shown during that time there's some really beautiful characters in the show and I know a lot of them are based on people that were there what was the process how were those characters formed and those stories discovered so the writers of the musical, David Hine and Irene Slankoff, they came to Gander for the 10th anniversary of 9-11. And they were students themselves at the time, going around, talking to different people, finding out what everyone's story was. And uh, they just kind of went away and, and sat down and wrote this fantastic piece of theater and have culminated on a bunch of different stories and a, and a bunch of different experiences that people have and that's what you see on stage 
So Come From Away has literally smashed all records in the box office. What do you think resonates with the audience? I think it's the fact that during such a turmoil, tragic time in the world, everyone was impacted, of course. Mm. There was kindness still being shown and there was some humanity and just people opening their doors literally in their hearts to those who came and and those who needed help. But I think it's just a story that we really resonate with and, and we just would hope that if something so tragic would happen again, that the same thing would happen and more people would do the same as, as people of Gander and surrounding areas did that day. What has Gander been like since this happened? Has it changed the town? Well, the town's gotten a little bit busier, a little more famous. <laughs> uh, more people want to come to town and, and kind of tour and, and look around. Uh, so we're seeing a few more tourists from that aspect of things. But I, no, I don't think it's changed the people because at the same time, we don't think we did anything extraordinary. We just we just did what had to be done at the time. And we would do it again tomorrow if, if that was something that, that happened again. Do you do you remember some of the people that you spoke with? Are they still in your heart? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, there was uh, one person that I can remember speaking to vividly. And, uh, and she had some loved ones that she wasn't sure where they were at the time. As you can, uh, you know, appreciate as well, it was... 20 odd years ago so cell phones weren't like they are today you couldn't text somebody and wait for a message mm-hmm. back I mean it just wasn't technology wasn't like that and, and so this lady had she wasn't sure where her family member had was or had been and, and so she, you know she was crying and telling me the story and, and of course I just went outside afterwards and sat in my car and cried because it was just you know you're emotionally involved mm-hmm. there's just no way that you couldn't be mm-hmm. I watched the trailer because I haven't watched the the show like Joe, so I'm really looking forward to it because it is coming to Melbourne soon, so we can talk about that in a minute. But I watched the trailer and it said, we honour what was lost, but we also commemorate what was found. And I think that really sort of stands for what 9-11 was about as, as a global community and obviously what happened in Gander. But what do you think you personally found in that time? I think that's a hard one to, to kind of say, you know, because uh, I was so young and so new and, and didn't really realize or appreciate, I guess, the experience I was having at the time. And it wasn't until, until afterwards that I stood back and kind of reflected and, and even years later and, and look back on it now and think, wow, like I was in the right place at the wrong time. <laughs> it, it was just something that kind of, you know, you, you hope that more people would do the same thing if it did happen again and more people would be willing to to help their fellow man. Hmm. I think you were in the right place at the right time, not the wrong time. I mean, there's something special about Gander, right? Oh, absolutely. There's something special about about Newfoundland and Labrador in general. And and we've always been a a province that reaches out and helps your neighbor because that's how we survived for so long. And, uh, you know, like it's an island like like here in Australia. And I find even being here, there's a lot of similarity between Canada and Australia and and the way people are and how they treat each other. And uh, it's just it's so refreshing to be here. Mm. The show is absolutely beautiful. It's come from away and is hitting Melbourne. uh, 
uh, in the next, I believe it's opening this week in mm. Melbourne, and then I'm sure that it will be touring the country. I just, uh, I really loved it. Were you happy with the representation of you? <laughs> Absolutely. It was so funny the first time I saw it, and I, I mean, I wasn't sure what this musical was going to be and how it was going to be depicted, and and to sit in the audience and to hear the words that I shared with David and Irene coming out of the actor's mouth, it was <laughs> It was surreal. It was definitely surreal. very surreal. surreal. Yeah. I'd be tempted to go, could you make me a little taller? <laughs> well, they did make me blonde and a little smaller and skinnier. So, you know. <laughs> oh, congratulations. And yeah. thank you for sharing your story with the world. I'm really happy that, I mean, thank goodness that uh, the writers discovered this story and shared mm-hmm. it right absolutely and and thank you so much for taking an interest in it and i hope that everybody gets the opportunity to go and see it and and walks away feeling feeling good at the end of of the show thank you janice thank you hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, you know, the power of capturing a person's incredible story comes in many forms. And so we go from the stage now to the small screen and one of Australia's favourite TV shows Mm. in the last couple of years, I would say, MasterChef, which has brought some very beautiful stories, I think, with it. It has. It's captured the nation, hasn't it? It does. And I think food brings stories Mm. often, although in my family we don't have a signature dish and we don't have... Oh, Oh, well, tuna casserole. I'll have to share. I'll have to share. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't grow up with that beautiful food tradition because we're just, you know, bogans from suburban Australia. You might might not want my traditional dishes of wombat and, um, you know, wombat stew and kangaroo. I would love that. But my husband has this beautiful dish where he's Hungarian, so paprika chicken is so delicious. So I'll have to cook it for you one day. You see... This is like, I don't know, there's a real dearth of that sort of food Mm. tradition when you grow up in in the kind of very, like I say, suburban bogan Australia. (laughs) Nothing wrong with a tuna casserole. Oh, oh my gosh. Everything in it is tinned. (laughs) Pretty much. Oh, we don't tell Melissa. <laughs> no, that's right. So we do need to welcome, um, I think she's in large part one of the reasons why MasterChef has absolutely taken off. We love it. Um, she's food writer and MasterChef judge Melissa Leong. Hi, Melissa. Hello. Hi. I love a tuna casserole. Can I Same. just say? 
Oh, I'm really <laughs> relieved to hear you say that because I must say, ever since like the very first series of MasterChef, it has always been my long, long-held desire to have that food tradition, and it's it's just not our culture, unfortunately. You've got one. Well, you know, I think Andy also apologises a lot for sort of not having sort of this multicultural kind of you know super foodie kind of family, but. Look at, you know, what he does for work now and what he celebrates every single day. I think it's uh, something that we evolve as we're as we're interested and we share that love of it. So just because you weren't born into a, a super food family doesn't mean you can't celebrate food um, as you love it and you learn it. That's yeah, so true. I mean, I'm sort of learning it with my daughter. She's 13. And so, you know, we really yeah. enjoy exploring flavours. And I, I have a very bland palate, but I'm getting mm. better. Yeah. <laughs> I always say to my partner's kids, you know, as long as you try it, if you don't love it, mm. it's fine. But thank you for trying it and keeping an open mind. You oh, know? And yes. So it's just, yeah. Just continually, just leaving the door open just a little crack, just in case you might like something later. (laughs) I've got the opposite. I've got a 16-year-old son who, after COVID, just strolled out of his bedroom, which I think that's where they all were, Mm. strolled out of his bedroom and said, I've been watching cooking videos, step aside. And now he's literally cooking restaurant-quality food and I'm just loving it. He goes, (laughs) you're a terrible cook, Mum. What a result. (laughs) It's a great result. That's great. Straight to the shops. Everything cooking, utensils, wow. he has it all, and we're not allowed to touch them. I'm Amazing. Wow. Is there any particular style of food that yeah. he's into oh, cooking? He loves, like yourself, the butter in the steak, like cooking mm. lots of butter. There's all types of three different types of butters go into it that I didn't even <laughs> know existed. And <laughs> scallops with butter as well. So butter's, oh, butter's taken a turn. He's got quite the expensive taste. <laughs> he doesn't need scallops, so it's all for me. So oh, that's lovely. lovely. It's that beautiful thing where he doesn't have to pay for it yet. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> no, he's not silly. Mum. <laughs> so, Mel, I know that one of your mottos going by your website is that you'll try anything once, which I yes. really love as a philosophy for life, right? You mm. just go, yes, yeah. just yes. Mm. Just yes. Give give things a go and be, again, I, I've always been taught to be open-minded and I think it's just in my nature to be curious and I would rather try something and um, know what it's like and just put that in the bank of memories and it might not be my favourite thing that I've ever had but at least I can kind of file it away and um, put it into context and at the very least there's a cool story involved. Mm. No regrets? (laughs) Just in general? No regrets. (laughs) Never. I mean, no. I think I'd I'd rather try it than wonder and I think that that's just my, um, the way I live my life in general. Mm. I agree. I really enjoy your work on MasterChef because of this beautiful emotional connection mm. that you have with the contestants. It feels like you draw out this real sense of their story. Is that Thank something you. that you naturally do, that you recognise story in people? Uh, empathy is something that, um, you know, I feel connected to people when I investigate how they're feeling, what's going on for them, what their stories are. And it's the great privilege of my job as a journalist to have done that over over the years um, through the stories that food can tell us about people. And so what I do on the show is just a beautiful extension of that. It gives me more of an opportunity to kind of um, explore food with people and and therefore their stories, their culture. And um, that maintains uh, as one of the great privileges of my life. Oh, beautiful. Now you've touched on it a little bit there, but I'm wondering at what age food captured your imagination and what was it about it that you loved? 
Um, I think it's always been part of who I am. Uh, food has always been really important in my family. I grew up um, being in and around the kitchen watching mum cook and sort of just slowly absorbing things by osmosis and, you know, as little kids um, sort of tend to do, ask irritating questions about what's that and how do I do that and how can I help? And so slowly mum would co-opt me into mixing things and, you know, squishing things and, and helping to kind of, you know, grind things up and so um, as I sort of got a little bit older I would you know be adding to that kind of toolkit of, of sensory experiences when it comes to food so food's always been very important to me and um, I think I always maintain it's my family's love language even if we can't mm. agree on whether or not um, I should be an accountant or a television presenter <laughs> uh, we always agree on what to eat after we you know, resolve that discussion or set it aside for later. <laughs> Isn't that interesting that you say that in that, you know, you're clearly a very strong, independent woman living an adult life and yet our parents' influence never leaves us. <laughs> I know. It's always there, that <laughs> voice, isn't it? Absolutely. There's always that, you know, what would they have wanted? And I think ultimately my parents, I, I love to sort of joke about the whole trope of, you know, um, migrant families and and you know parents especially what they hope for their children i think what any parent hopes for their child is for them to find their place in the world be happy feel secure and um traditionally um you know that that's meant something like being an accountant or a lawyer mm. or a doctor. It's okay, my brother is about to graduate as a doctor, so oh, that heel, <laughs> takes the pressure off. <laughs> off. Um, and they're just pretty happy as long as I've, I've found my place in the world mm. and as un, uh, unexpected as it was to be here, uh, here I am and um, doing okay, still attempting the mm. adult thing. It hasn't fallen over flat just yet, so we'll just keep baking it till we make it. <laughs> I mean, I will say you've done a lot of different things. Like you've had a crack at like three or four different careers. And I don't mean have a crack as in you've failed. You've had actually oh, three no, or I four careers. <laughs> <laughs> but you've it's, done so um, much. Yeah, it's funny how um, it all makes sense now because all of those different facets of what I tried on um, and what I threw myself into um, all applies to what I do now. So um, whether or not it was sort of, I, you know, I was mentioning earlier when we were chatting that I learned how to be a makeup artist when I was in my late teens as I was studying um, economics. I was also a makeup artist. and. Um, had I not have done that part of my life the way that I did it, um, I wouldn't know how to do what I can do now. And if I'm on location, I was in um, I was in Kings Canyon and Uluru a couple of weeks ago for a travel story um, that was being filmed. And um, there's no hair and makeup artist out there. If you can't turn up looking the way that you're comfortable looking for the rest of them, um, then, you know, you, you better know how to brush your hair. and. <laughs> It's I, know, I would look like a hot mess if I had to be filmed. <laughs> it's, in, in well, it's funny. I know how to do it too. And I think, we, Melissa, yeah. we were talking off camera that you have to know because yeah. that diversity and that makeup artists aren't quite ready for us, unfortunately, in some places. So we do have That's to make sure right. that we are we know how to make ourselves look beautiful for camera. That's right. I think my entire life, what the unifying thread uh, through all of my experiences has been that is that I want to represent myself as faithfully as possible. I want to be very clear about who I am on every single platform. And if knowing how I want to, to look 
as well as how I want to sound and how I want to be remembered um, is sort of taken into consideration, then, you know, you need to take, um, you know, take that power into yourself and present yourself in the way that you can. Mm. You can. Yeah, I love um, that conversation around the diversity of MasterChef. I think that as a series, it has done so much for Australia through the lens of food in making television in Australia less white. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love, I've seen, you know, over the decade, I mean, it's been now, I don't know how many I feel years. feel like it's a decade. decade. More, yeah, perhaps, because I remember <laughs> I, I was on Breakfast Radio when it very oh, first wow. started. So that was 15 years ago. But, you know, we've seen mm. that sort of, uh, I guess, evolution. And now in this last series, just such incredible diversity of people and cultures. Mm. Um, yeah. did, did it feel profound to you in that way? Uh you're right. You know, since day one, MasterChef in Australia has been a celebration of multicultural Australia, you know, all of the different places that we come from. And now increasingly um, also a celebration of the, the bounty of incredible things that come from the land that we stand on, you know, the land that we're so fortunate to be on. So um, it's it's a really wonderful thing. Every single day is a little bit different. And we, um, you know, we discover new things about um, ourselves and the people, you know, in the room. And we get to talk about that to a global audience because, of course, MasterChef Australia is mm. tremendously successful overseas as well. And so it's a, a great um, bastion of everything that we are um, collectively as a nation. So it does mean a lot and it is an incredibly special thing to to be a part of and I think what has resonated so much with me is the feedback from me being in that um, you know in that judge's seat with Jock and Andy Um, my perspective lends um, perhaps a different perspective to before and I think that's a wonderful thing and you know when um, when our turns over and the next judges come through they will provide different perspectives and and um, that will change again. And I think that that's the wonderful thing about the subjectivity of food and mm. um, our collective lived in experiences and how we share them with each other. Mm. Like she's speaking my language. <laughs> 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 it's so wonderful to hear that. So, and it means so much as someone from the um, Aboriginal community and friends from diverse communities, I know what it means to them. So it's just so beautiful. And I'm sure you've heard the stories and people coming up to you in the street because we can't help ourselves when we, <laughs> when we see gorgeous people like yourself. But I want to touch on butter. I mean, I looked you up. Yes. I looked you up and okay. I was going over it. I was like, this woman. <laughs> Seriously, like in the Aboriginal community, butter is like our thing too. We put it on absolutely everything. It's all over the place. It's thick. You can see it. There's no hiding that we've got butter on everything. It just makes food taste better, doesn't it? Absolutely. Butter is such an incredible ingredient. It's something that I I get tremendously nervous about running out of. (laughs) There are certain things I can't live without in in my pantry, in my kitchen. Uh, Butter, garlic, and spices are the things that you know are always around and so yeah butter is the ultimate flavor enhancer it's the it's a great way to finish a sauce it's a great way to um, enhance the richness of a cake it just has so many applications and you know really good quality butter is um, mm. it's just such a gift yes I I, I, I'm a big fan of butter myself I that's why I buy hot cross buns basically oh, so yeah. I can put a lot of oh, butter on lots <laughs> reaching converted here I mean, <laughs> bun is just a vehicle for butter so (laughs) how much can you load on and it's the optimum um sort of temperature of that hot cross bun to kind of get the butter to be a liquid but also a solid oh yes so it's 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you're quite the connoisseur, I can tell. Salt on top. <laughs> so, I mean, I love even the recipes on your website, Melissa. My favourite being super fast apple crumble for one, which um, I live with two people who insist on eating my food and it really <laughs> shits me, right? So, I am going to wait till I am home alone and I'm going to cook the super fast apple crumble for one and I'm going to eat that Excellent. by myself. What is, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, what's your go to food for when you feel miserable? Oh, it really changes. It depends on my mood at the moment. It's definitely um, some kind of chicken curry uh, oh, sort of in a, in a more Southeast Asian style. My parents are from Singapore, so sort of a more Malay or Nonya style chicken curry. And um, I almost always have all of the ingredients for that um, in my freezer and my fridge and my pantry ready to go. So there's something, I think, about warming, comforting foods that when you're feeling a little bit down, it sort of just gives you a bit of a, a bit of a hug and um, I think it's mm. always good to have those on, on hand. Mm, love it. Well, you, of course, you're about to launch a book and I love this. It's called A Taste Adventure and it's a kid's book. Yes, absolutely. Here's what I prepared earlier. Oh, I'm so beautiful. excited. I um you know I've I've co-written a lot of books with chefs over the years but actually having my name and my name only on the front cover of something um, is such an exciting moment for me um, as a as a journal I still never tire of seeing my name in print um, you know more so than even seeing myself on television for example I just I love seeing my byline. Um, oh, I, I think because re- it's a lot more work. <laughs> like, you know, it, there is blood, sweat and tears to a, words totally. on a page, right? Mm. And it's and it's just, it's there forever. I mean, so is television, but honestly, it's there forever. And, you know, I, I value the written words so much. And so when it's in print, um, it's... It's there in a, in a way that feels more permanent to me and um, and therefore I think really matters. So, yeah, the book is a great achievement and it was so much fun to write. I didn't know that I had a rhyming book in me. Uh, that's not how I, I review restaurants as much as I like to <laughs> Quite a few food puns in there. Um, yeah, it was it was a really great ex- exercise in a different style of writing but still communicating a joy of food. What, what is it about? What is it about? Okay, well, it's a, it's a, it's aimed at sort of kids around the I think five to eight, five to nine kind of age group, and it's really just explaining the six sensations of taste: so sweet, sour, salty, bitter, spicy, and umami. And um, I thought I sort of pitched this idea, and I thought, oh, that's really easy. And then I sat down and thought to myself, how do you explain what salty is to a six-year-old? Yes, no, that is not actually very easy and oh. so I then had to sit down and go okay well I've, I've pitched the idea and it's been approved so I've got to do it now <laughs> and I just sort of thought well you know I, I my goddaughter is you know eight nearly nine years old and and her brother is a year or two older than that and um, they come from um, a restaurant family a hospitality family and I just sort of thought about what we do when we sit around the table and we share food and the way we communicate and explain to each other what the sensations are that we're feeling um, and I just sort of use that as a jumping off point to um, to sort of start explaining it so there's a lot of you know simile and metaphor and you know ex- like just sort of um, common experiences that we may have had you know you know you know what it's like to to go to the beach and get dumped by a wave and cop a mouthful of salt yes. water so <laughs> um, using that. those childhood experiences and then um, sort of making food a relevant part of that um, that 
remembered experience is the way that I approached it. Now, I've got five of those tastes mm. under control, mm. but all my own. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you explain to me as a 50-year-old, pretend I'm eight and tell me I'm oh, Because <laughs> sometimes well, I act like, like I'm eight, so it's perfect. It's like that really great Reddit, um, you know, tell me like I'm five. And I think that if you can't explain it like you're five, you know, or to, to someone that's five, then mm. um, then you really need to rethink it. So umami is a sensation of deep, savoury quality. So it's, um, you know, best, um, best expressed in tomatoes, parmesan cheese, miso mm. paste, Vegemite. It has that mm. real round, um, savoury kind of flavour um, without there necessarily being meat involved. And so the way I would describe it to a kid is that it's, it's round and it's deep, and um, and it feels meaty. Mm, oh, that's actually it. one of my mm. favourite tastes all this time. I didn't know. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's the thing that I think all humans tend to seek, even if we don't know why we want that extra grating of parmesan, mm. or or why you know roasted tomatoes have that extra kind of rich oomph to them when you eat them. Um, you know, when they sort of they're still a little bit squishy on the inside, but they have that beautiful caramelised, burnish exterior. Um, and when they explode um, when you when you chew them, um, that release of a sensation of flavour um, is in part because of umami. So oh man, I nice. I mean, yeah, I, re- <laughs> I return to my bland palate, and uh, <laughs> and I say that those, those flavours are what I grew up with, but mm. we didn't know a label for it. No, I didn't either. That's yeah, that's it. I, I just. Yeah, you you know food, you know good mm. food. Yeah. All no, food. I can't express it as well as you can. No, that's now right. I feel like roasted tomatoes. Oh yes, please. <laughs> um, Mel, thanks so much. I just absolutely love seeing mm. such a strong woman on mm. on our you know commercial TV and prime time, and you un- unapologetically so with your most glorious style. <laughs> oh, oh, just your fashion is so mm. beautiful, and I know it's not easy necessarily to be a strong mm-hmm. woman in that environment. No, yeah. definitely not um it's it can be it can have its challenges but as we all know having you know you guys have been in in the media for a really long time and you've you've um broken your own barriers and your own molds as well um but we're all um we're all doing it together there's a cumulative effect to every um every woman who stands up every woman who is proud of their voice and lifts other people up um which is what you do you know through through this program and um it's really nice to feel a part of something and I not for one second ever feel alone in doing what I do, which oh. is a really Oh, gosh. I love that. I'm so <laughs> glad. We are there with you Absolutely. side by side, tasting the dish, loving what you're wearing and loving the way you express yourself <laughs> yeah. and who you are. Thanks so much, Mel. It's been lovely to have you on the show. Absolutely. It's been lovely to meet you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.